for um, participating and serving last night. I know a lot of hands went into firewood, fire pits, music, greeting, greeting table, lights, all the stuff that happened last night. Thank you so much for, um, for serving and the time you put in. And if you donated a fire pit last night and you have not had it returned yet, there's still some out um, in the gravel lot. If yours is there and you have the ability to pick it up on your way out of here um, today, please feel free to do that. And if not, it'll be delivered to your house later today. Um, so they're out in the back lot. Please don't take one unless it's yours. I shouldn't have to say that. And that was a joke, kind of. Don't check a nicer one and leave yours behind. No swapping stickers, like that kind of stuff. Good. All right, can you guys open in your Bibles to the, to the Gospel of Luke? Luke chapter 1. We're going to have several different people come up, and they're going to read for us this familiar Christmas story beginning in verse 5, and we're going to read all the way through to verse 45. So starting in verse 5 through verse 45, we have three or four different readers read through um, the Christmas story together. And as they do, I just want to encourage you to do your best, and I'll pray for this in a moment, to stay focused. Familiar things are so easy to just not hear and to not take in. Um, So I'm going to pray that God will help us to pay attention and actually get out of it what, um, what he wants to do to speak to each one of us this morning, and then we'll have it read together. So let me pray, and then we'll have our readers come up. Well, Spirit, we ask you to please come and help us as we read this very familiar story. Um, Lord, we pray that it would impact us the way it would have impacted um, the original people in the story. And I pray that it would impact us the way that the original readers would have read the story. Lord, we know we are prone um, to passivity because of familiarity. And so help us this morning. Spirit, may one little line, may one phrase in this story uh, spark life in our hearts in a new way and, and ignite a fresh love for you um, as a result. And so come now and speak to us through your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, readers, come on up. Thank you, thank you. All right, Luke 1, starting verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abaha, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. 
and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, 
The baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I'm wondering how many of you guys have nativity sets at home. Do we have any people that have little nativity sets at home? Kids? You guys have some of those at home? We used to have like a Playmobil one, then we had a ceramic one, and we had like another one that we could play with. I want, I want some of you kids just for a minute. Tell me, what are some of the little figurines that are in your nativity sets? What do you guys have in there? An angel? What else? Got little angels in your nativity set? What else do you guys have in them? What do you have? Sheep? What else? Kids, what do you have in your nativity sets? You guys have one at home? What do you have in it? A Mary and a Joseph. Good. That's a good thing to have. What else do we have? We have a Jesus. Good. Yeah, every year we we would unwrap our little nativity set, and we'd give all the kids a different one, and they would always be like, oh, man, I didn't get the Jesus this year, right? And we'd fight over Nobody wanted to get the one. Was it a camel that had a broken leg? Yeah, nobody wanted to get the camel. Like That was like, boo, you lose. What else, Evelyn? What else do you have in your nativity set? What was it? Donkeys. Good. So we've got all these different things in our activity set. What else? Can I see another hand? Give kids a chance. What else? Wise men. Good. You got wise men. So we've got these variety of things, right? And we look at our nativity set or we look at the Christmas story sort of like from a drone, right? We kind of look from the outside and we kind of look down in. But I wonder what it would be like to look at it from the inside out, like to actually be in the nativity set looking out to see what was going on from their perspective. I wonder what they would say about their nativity set. Let me... I think that if Mary and Joseph, the wise men, the shepherd, I think if they were all there and they were looking at their nativity set, them being in it, I think they would all agree that there's somebody major missing. I think if they listened to us all sing our Christmas carols, I think they would all listen to the Christmas carols and they would all agree the main character of the entire Christmas story is actually missing from the Christmas story. That's it. Good job. (laughs) They would say, where is Santa? (laughs) How did you know? Man, you stole my thunder. (laughs) Seriously, you spoiled the whole thing. Thank you, Khaled. Obviously, you have a sheet of paper in front of you that reveals the secret character of the whole Christmas story that I'm not aware of a single Christmas song that he's in. I have never seen anything even depicting him in a nativity set. And I wonder why, because when you read the Christmas story, he is the most prominent and active character in the whole story. I mean, Gabriel gets a voice, but he's just giving credit to who? to the Holy Spirit and to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the Christmas story. So all I want to do this morning is there's, there's seven points. I'm going to spend like a minute on each one and just highlight what the Holy Spirit does when he comes at Christmas. And I want to encourage us to see how many of those relate to us. As we think about Christmas, what does the Holy Spirit want to do in us? And what kind of similar things does the Spirit want to do with us, in us today, tomorrow, maybe in the coming week, that he did when he arrived 
on Christmas Day, on Christmas morning. So here we go. I've got seven little observations from this Christmas story. And the first is this, that when the Holy Spirit comes to Christmas, it seems that things get loud. So kids, you can write down loud. <laughs> write down the word loud. I was going to have all the kids get loud, but I don't think that probably would bless parents. So we're not going to do that. But you guys see that happen in verse 41, right? And when Elizabeth had heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth, it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed in a loud cry. She was loud. It seems like the whole night was probably loud. I don't know where we get the whole silent night, holy night thing from. It was certainly holy, but I don't think it was silent. I think it was loud. And here's just another indication of the Christmas story is loud. When the Spirit comes, Elizabeth's tongue is loosed. I don't know whether she was usually quiet, and now all of a sudden she's being loud, or whether she's being louder than usual. I don't know. But it's interesting that she gets loud, but what happens to Zachariah? Yeah, so maybe, maybe God's like, all right, we're going to shut him down a little bit and give her a chance to have a voice because she's got some things to say. And so things get loud in the story. The Spirit comes and he seems to, to loose Elizabeth's voice, to loose her, to put in her a unique excitement when she realizes that she's meeting Mary and Jesus. But she doesn't get just loud with just nonsense. If you notice, she brings, or he brings to her a prophetic word. So when Holy Spirit comes to Christmas, he seems to bring prophecy. Now, why do I say prophecy? Well, if you look at her words, I mean, look at what she says in verse 42. She says that she exclaimed in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. All of that information is not revealed to her anywhere else in Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel. Which means, how'd she know? How did she know what to say? Well, I think she knew what to say because the Spirit was on her and revealed to her an encouragement for Mary. Because certainly these words encourage Mary. Because certainly Mary is still questioning what is going on. I want to just encourage us, side note, but that's really what prophetic words are for, right? It's to receive encouragement, and that's what God does for Mary here. And I want to just encourage you, because you are all not aware of what's been going on, but every Sunday uh, since I preached on it last, it seemed that there have been more and more prophetic words, not necessarily up here to everyone, but God speaking to someone in the room about someone else in the room to go and encourage them with something specific. That's really cool. I, I'd rather have that or have as much of that as anything that happens up front of everybody. So keep that up, because the Spirit descends here at Christmas for the same reason. It's to bring encouragement. Mary needs encouragement. I mean, they put herself in her shoes for a minute. I mean, she needs encouragement. And so God loosens Elizabeth's tongue, gives her the ability to know something she wouldn't know otherwise, so she can be an encouragement to Mary. And then, of course, number three, you can't overlook the fact that John has his part in this whole thing. Right? What's John doing in the story? Yeah, he's leaping. He's leaping. Now, I've heard of babies having hiccups, right? Poking, saying hi. I've seen it all. Don't think I've ever heard of a baby leaping in the womb. But if you notice why, I mean, if you look what it says in verse 15, it says, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So 
in the womb, John is filled with the Spirit. And what does he do? He's jumping. He is jumping for joy. He is jumping for joy because he knows. He, he is very keenly aware of the fact that he's going to play a role in preparing the way for Jesus to come. I mean, shouldn't that affect us the same way? I mean, this idea that, that we get to do the same thing, we, we get to prepare the way for people, telling people about Christ. I mean, there's, a, there's an excitement here in, a, in the second trimester of leaping going on over the mission that God's going to allow him to play in the Christmas story. And so, really, while we're considering John here, I mean, it's not just that, but it's also just the joy that comes to him. I mean, when the Holy Spirit comes to Christmas, he brings a crazy amount of joy, and he brings that to John and to Elizabeth. And it says to all who will be on the receiving end of John's message. And so it says in verse 14 that you will have joy and gladness and will rejoice at his birth. So there's a joy and a filling of the Spirit in John, so that John can go out and say things to get people ready to encounter Jesus, which is really the same exact thing that we're called to do. Right? Be filled with joy, be excited, to, to share Christ with people, knowing that you can't make people receive Christ, but you can go prepare the way for the Spirit when the Spirit wants to work in people. And that's a role that we get to play. And, and it's meant to be a joyful role. I don't know if you think of that as more fearful or more joyful. But I think we need the Spirit's help so we can think about those encounters with people who don't know Christ as joyful encounters, as opportunities with joy to, to bring a leaping message to them, as John was able to do. So when the Spirit comes to Christmas, he brings joy. And number five, when the Spirit comes to Christmas, it seems that the impossible happens. It seems that the impossible happens. I mean, Gabriel shares the circumstances in which Mary will have a baby. And Mary's response in verse 34 is how any one of us would respond, right? <laughs> how the heck is this going to happen? First of all, I'm too young to have a baby, and I'm not married to have a baby. How is this going to happen? And after explaining to her what hap what's going to happen, Gabriel ends with verse 37. Nothing will be impossible with God. He begins with the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you because nothing is impossible with God. In other words, when the Spirit comes at Christmas and every day after Christmas, nothing is impossible because the Spirit of God is at work on the earth. So I think if John or Elizabeth or Mary had a nativity set, they would probably think of some way of getting the Holy Spirit in there. I don't know how they do it. I don't know what they would use to represent the Holy Spirit. But I think they would put something in their nativity set to represent the work of the Spirit. And because of Christmas, the Holy Spirit has done really impossible things. And he's done impossible things in us. And I was just thinking about the work of the Spirit in our lives I mean, John is very clear when he quotes Jesus saying, you've got to be born again of the Spirit. I mean, the Spirit of God does the impossible. I mean, if you've been born again this morning, that means the Spirit of God has come in you and he's made you brand new. The old is gone and the new has come. I mean, that is, that's the impossible. You can't born again yourself. Somebody's got to do it for you. And the Spirit has done that in us. I love Titus 3. It talks about 
But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the renewal of the Holy Spirit, by the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit. There's a Holy Spirit makes you new. I mean, that's, you've got to take that in this morning. The impossible has happened. You have been made brand new. Whether you can remember the moment it happened, right? Some of you can. I can remember the moment you were born again when it all clicked. For others, it was a process. You don't remember that moment. But nevertheless, this morning, if you are loving Jesus and trusting Jesus and putting your hope in Jesus, then you have been born again. The impossible has happened inside of you because the impossible happened inside of Mary. Does that make sense? So we should celebrate that. We think about the impossibilities of Christmas. Well, think about the impossibility that you have been born again to a living hope through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. So the impossible really has happened at Christmas, and it's happened for us too. And then when the Holy Spirit comes to Christmas, he also brings Jesus. (laughs) That's the obvious, right? We talked more, more about that last night, so this morning I thought I would talk more about the Spirit. But it's Jesus with us. He's brought Jesus to us. The the strange miracle of the Trinity, right? That somehow the Spirit brings Jesus in the flesh to Mary for us. I mean, that's how it happened. And then in verse 32 to 35, we get this description of Jesus. Here's the description. He'll be great. Son of the Most High. Throne, he will sit on the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. So we got this baby coming into town by the Holy Spirit who is going to bring Christ, who will now reign forever. He will have no end. He will be the king of kings forever and ever with no end. His kingdom will never end. So the Spirit comes really bringing a whole new kingdom to us as Jesus comes to reign forever and ever and ever. And then lastly, number seven, when the Holy Spirit comes to Christmas, he brings praise. He brings praise. We don't have time to read Mary's poem that she wrote, her poem of praise. But just look at the first line of what Mary says. I mean, I put myself in Mary's shoes, and these these are hard things to say, yet obviously the Spirit of God is on her. And her response to what's going to happen to her and what is happening to her is, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. When the Spirit comes at Christmas... A, what would seem to be a very difficult and strange circumstance for a 13 or 14-year-old girl, don't know how young, instead turns into a, a song, a psalm, a poem of praise where her soul is magnifying the Lord and her spirit is rejoicing. She literally, all of her emotions, if you go to the, go to the Greek, her emotions and her passions are declaring the greatness of her God as she rejoices exceedingly. How do I put it another way? She's thrilled. (laughs) She's off the charts excited. More passionate than she's ever been about anything ever before in this moment as she realizes what God has called her to do. 
And shouldn't our response be the same? All right? Shouldn't we, can we join Mary in our souls magnifying the Lord and our spirits this morning is rejoicing in God our Savior, that we have a Savior this morning, that the Spirit came really to, to bring us Christ so that everything that was wrong could be made right. And so this morning we could be born again, children of God, encountering him every day as we wait for forever when he will return. And so I think all of these characters in the nativity story would want to add the Spirit to their nativity set in some way, some manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe some of you kids can help teenagers come up with a, what would we add? What would it look like to add something to represent the work of the Spirit? Because it seems like he's a little more active than anyone else in the story, and yet often we can miss out on him, can't we? Well, he's here. He's here this morning. The Spirit is at work in our lives. And I just pray that he's active over the next couple of days. He allows each one of us to have those sweet little moments. You have those little moments where you just really encounter the, the presence of, of Jesus. Maybe there's a lot of noise going on, but you still just encounter and you feel his realness and his ne- nearness to you. And so I just pray that that happens to all of us. I pray this Christmas there's a special little moments. Unwrapping presents. Looking at the tree. Eating your figgy pudding. Whatever it is where you encounter just a unique joy and refreshment over all the things the Spirit has done through the Christmas story. Let me pray. We're going to sing another song, or two, or three. Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your work at Christmas. And we thank you how your work at Christmas is directly related to us and how we benefit from this story in so many ways. Spirit, I ask you to help us over the next few days. Lord, I know these days can be filled with sadness if relationships are hurt or broken or lost. Um, I know that there can be grieving during this time. I pray you'd help us to grieve well. And I pray also, Spirit, that you would help us to find that, those special moments over the next two or three days where we're able to sit, whether it's with our family or in a crowd or all alone, and sense your presence and find a satisfying rejoicing in you that will bring us peace and grace, that will remind us of what the Spirit has done for us in making us born again. Help us, I pray. Help us to encounter you in a real way in the next few days as we celebrate the birth of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with